Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. So today we're starting a new series entitled The Armour of God Clothed in Christ. I don't know if you've noticed, but every aspect of the armour of God is about Jesus. Every single aspect. We'll see that as we go through over the coming weeks. But it's all about being clothed in Christ. And so putting on the armour of God. And so I'm going to very simply begin by reading from Ephesians chapter 6, which is just a magnificent passage of scripture, and read the passage about the armour of God. So Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. Father God, just bless the reading of your word and the preaching of your word to our hearts. Help us to be hearers and doers in Jesus' name. Pray for your strength in my weakness. Be my strength, I pray. Amen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God that when the evil day comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. (coughs) Stand firm then with the belt of truth book around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me. That whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I will declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul uses the illustration of the armour of a Roman soldier to depict um, how we stand and progress as followers of Jesus. And right at the beginning of this passage of scripture, we're told two things. Please don't miss these. These are really important. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Two things, and we need them both. Some people think all you've got to do is be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Let go and let God, which is a phrase that's not in the Bible. I don't know what that means. I know trust God. I know let go of control and submit to his lordship. But there are certain phrases that sleep into Christian vocabulary that almost are treated as if they're scripture and they're not. So this sense of the first, some people think, oh, we need to let go and let God And they don't take their responsibility. Oh, I'm just going to go with the flow and see what God does. Well, that's one thing. And if you only do that, you won't progress. The second thing is, some people forget to take on their responsibility. 
So all they focus only on their responsibility. Put on the full armor of God. But they forget where the strength comes from. So it all becomes strife and effort. And they constantly look slightly anxious. And under pressure. Because they forget that, oh, it's the strength of the Lord. But I've got to put on the armor of God. And in the Christian life, the life of a disciple, there is a sense in which we rely on the power and the empowering of God and we take up our responsibilities. There are certain things that God says he will do for us and there are certain things God says he will do with us. We cannot build the church or the kingdom or anything else. He's the tecton. He does that. We get to make disciples. And so we take on our responsibility and we let God take on his. And it's that balance of knowing what our responsibility is and what's his. So let's just dig into that for a minute before we get to each piece of the armour, which we're going to take a little while. Over coming weeks to do. We're to be strong, notice this, in the Lord. Or Paul uses that phrase regularly throughout his writings about being in Christ. Be strong in Christ. Be strong in the Lord. As followers of Jesus, we're in Christ. Do you remember the story of Isaac when he was blessing Esau? And his wife heard that he was going to bless Esau. And she wanted Jacob, her other son, to be blessed. So she said, look, the f- Jacob, Isaac, has said that he's going to bless Esau. And all he has to do is go and cook some meat, bring him a spicy stew, and he's going to give him a blessing. Here's the thing. He's gone hunting. I'm going to kill a goat. We'll cook some spicy stew, and you can go and pretend to be your brother, your father's favorite son. And you can take his blessing. And Jacob says that it'll never work. He's a, an outdoors man. He's a hurry man. I'm not an outdoors man. I'm a small man with smooth skin. And she says, I've got a plan. When I call the goat, I'll skin it and you can wrap the goat. How hurry was Esau? I'll wrap, <laughs> I'll wrap the goat skin around your arms. And when you go in, you can put on some of Esau's clothes, maybe a bit of his aftershave. I added that bit. And when you get near to your father, he'll think it's Esau. So he does and he goes to his... His father, Isaac. Incredibly messed up family that God moves through, isn't it? And he gets near to his father and he says, I've come with this meal you want. He says, that was quick. I didn't think you'd be able to hunt so quickly. Oh, well, God must have given me favor. Incredible. And anyway, Esau's, uh, Esau's out and about. Jacob is with Isaac. Isaac says, come near to me, Jacob, while I give you a hug and give you the blessing. And he gives him a hug and he says, well, he says, it smells like Esau and it feels like Esau. And oh, by the way, Isaac's eyesight had failed by this point, so I couldn't see him properly. It smells like him. It feels like him. It doesn't really sound like him, but it must be him. And he gives him the blessing. And then Esau comes back later and says, Oh, I've come with the food. He said, you've already been. He said, no, 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 I've not been. I must have been Jacob. He's tricked you. Jacob hid in Esau 
and was blessed by the father and it was a trick. But he still received all of the blessing that Esau should have got. Here's the thing. God the father blessed you in his favorite son, Jesus. You are in Christ and it's not a trick. He put you there. And every blessing that should be poured upon Jesus is poured upon you because you're in him. Calm down. Don't get excited. (laughs) God placed you there. Ephesians says you are accepted in the beloved. In other words, God hid you in Christ. And when you approach the throne of God, God sees you through the lens of Jesus and says, oh, they're in Christ. Everything I could possibly give to them, I want to. That's where you stand. And if you read through scripture, and I've put this in your notes, so I'm not going to go through all of it, but just a list of things, and it's not an exhaustive list. <clears throat> of some of the things that you are in Christ. So things like, I'll just highlight a couple. You have a direct access to God in Christ, Ephesians 2.18. You have been forgiven in Christ, Colossians 2.10. There is no condemnation for you because you are in Christ, Romans 8.1. God is working all things together for good in your life because you are in Christ. You cannot be separated from the love of God ever Because you are in Christ. What God has started in you, he will complete. Because you are in Christ. The list goes on and on. When we live in the environment of the love of the Father, because we've been placed in Christ, our soul can flourish. It shapes us into knowing who we are and who the church is. It gives us security so that we can become All that God's told us we are. Our verse for the year says this. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12.2. So we're strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What's his mighty power? Well, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We can be strong in who we are in Christ and in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is your inheritance. This is my inheritance. And the transformation of our mind is to help us to move from not believing this to believing and living in the good of it. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk on wine. Listen, as a Christian, it's never okay to be drunk. Never. Special occasions, Christmas, birthdays, works dues, it's never okay. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Sometimes God gives us invitation and challenges and sometimes he says, don't do that. And this is one of the, don't do that. Do not be drunk on wine. And he doesn't mean say we'll get drunk on spirits instead. Don't be drunk <laughs> But be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a present continuous tense. Preachers love to explain that, don't they? What it means is, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So be strong in the Lord 
and in his mighty power. And then put on the full armour of God. This is one of those things that we have to do. No one can do this for you. I used to pray, well I pray every day for King's Church. I went through a phase of praying every day for every person by name. And I went through a phase of praying every day for every leader by name. And different things at different times because I think part of my responsibility of as being a leader here is to pray for you. Samuel says, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. So, but I used to pray that you'd be, I'd sort of pray God's armour onto you. <laughs> or, you know, put on them the belt of truth. And, the, and then I realised I can't do it. All I can do is put it on me. And pray that you remember to do it. This morning I prayed that you'd remember to do it. It's not a spiritual religious ritual, a pretend fancy dress in your imagination every morning. But it's a reminder each day of who you are in Christ. It's not some imaginary dress code. It's reminding you and reminding me of all the benefits. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is my salvation. Jesus gave me the gospel. Jesus gave me faith. Jesus is the word of God. Terry Virgo said, the Christian life is not like a battle. It is a battle. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the Christian life is more like a battleground than a playground. Sometimes we're acutely aware that we're in a battle. And we're, we... We feel it. Other times, life's going great. And um, we're suddenly surprised by a conflict or a difficulty or a challenge in our lives. And we forget we're in a battle. And when it comes, we sort of blame God. Why are you letting this happen? Listen, he's good. Life's rubbish sometimes. Life's great sometimes. He's good all the time. So, Paul reminds us that there's a seen and an unseen world. We are battling against a devil and the forces of evil. I'm sure... All of you at home, or many of you, have a nativity set. How many have a nativity set at home? Just me, Jackie, and John. <laughs> and on your nativity set, I'm guessing you have a Murray and Joseph, shepherds, wise men, maybe a donkey. The Bible doesn't say there was one, but maybe a donkey. Sheep, a red dragon. Oh, don't have a red dragon. How surprising. Revelation 12.2. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed in the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head, and she was pregnant and cried out in pain. She was about to give birth. 
Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. And its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Then the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment it was born. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. Who do you think that is? And her child was snatched up to God and his throne and the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. In the book of Revelation, it's written in apocalyptic terms. It's picture language, not describing things visually as they will appear, but it's picture language. But it's almost like God pulls back the curtain occasionally for the Apostle John and gives him a revelation. He says, now here's the visible world and here's what's happening behind it. Here's what's happening in the unseen world. I mean, you do believe in the unseen world, don't you? You believe in the universe that's massive and subatomic particles. I'm sure you believe in them. You can't see them. And you believe in angels and demons and God. can't see them, but they're real believe in oxygen don't you so there are things that are real that you can't see and behind the scenes as that nativity is played out in Bethlehem the devil knows that something's going on and he he unleashes his hatred towards it through Herod who two years after the birth of Jesus slaughters all the children who are two and under in Bethlehem why? because the red dragon the devil is moving through him to destroy the Christ. He doesn't know what the Christ is going to do, but he knows he's going to do something. But God delivers him and he's taken to Egypt with Mary and Joseph where he's kept safe for a period of time till he can come back. There's a whole unseen thing going on. There are secular, westernised worldview ridicules because it doesn't understand or ignores because it doesn't understand. It's real. There are two equal and opposite errors which are possible, however. One is an overemphasis on these things. Everything's a demon. There's a story, isn't there, that a person walks out of a church building and there's the devil set on the curb at the side and he's crying and the Christian says to him, what's wrong with you? He said, they blame me for everything in there. <laughs> None of it, not a lot of it wasn't his fault. It's just us not being kind or something. But, so there's an overemphasis. Or there's an underemphasis. We ignore it. Please don't mock the devil. That wasn't a story mocking the devil. That was a, a story mocking us. Don't mock the devil. Don't make light of him. He's a formidable foe. And in Christ we have strength. But without Christ we're toast. <laughs> The battle is on and we need to be clothed in Christ in the armour of God so that we can take our stand. If we don't, we will live a Christian life that is pale reflection of what it could be and feel utterly defeated and detached from God. And then we're tempted to settle for or feel trapped in false views about God. God doesn't care about me. God's not interested in this aspect of my life. That's not true. They are lies. 
And the devil is the father of all lies. So they've not come from God. The devil and his evil forces coerce us to live lives that are unforgiving, bitter, lustful, afraid, proud, judgmental, or simply to conform to the pattern of this world. This is all going on in the invisible realm. And it's impacting you and it's impacting me. The Bible word is demonization, to be demonized. And it's like if you cut your arm, imagine you cut your arm and you don't clean that wound. Maybe something's happened to you that's hurt you, given you pain, or you choose not to forgive. Not forgiveness is such a massive subject, I don't, I'm almost tempted not to get into that at the moment. But let's, let's say you just cut your arm. If I cut my arm and then went playing in the dirt, I would get an infection. And demonization is simply that. It's where demons infest areas that we won't bring to God. We're not possessed. But Paul says, don't give the devil a foothold. Because a foothold becomes a stranglehold, which becomes a stronghold. We can be impacted but not possessed. But we can be impacted, we can be demonized, and God wants to set people free. I said earlier that the armor of God, goodness me, I've got the time. Anyway, I said that earlier, I'll not go into this bit in any detail. We said earlier that the armor of God is a picture of Jesus. The belt of truth, because Jesus is the truth. The breastplate of righteousness, because Jesus is our righteousness. The shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace, because Jesus is the saving power of the gospel, the shield of faith, because faith in Jesus saves us. The helmet of salvation, because Jesus is our salvation. The sword of the spirit, because Jesus is the word of God. And prayer, because Jesus is the intercessor. Jesus, 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 you are in Christ. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail in this bit, but I'm just going to quickly say it. In any battle, we need to know how to advance and how to defend. It said, and I'm glad he did, Hitler lost the Second World War. I'm so glad he did. But they say he lost because he didn't know how to defend. He just advanced on too many fronts. And in the Christian life, we need to know how to step forward and how to defend. And different parts of the armor help us to step forward and how to defend. I love watching football. I'm an Everton fan. But I, I can appreciate football in any, in any team that play well. And I remember watching Newcastle United when Kevin Keegan was the manager. I used to love watching them. Their, atta- their motto seemed to be attack, 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 attack. Problem is they couldn't defend. But they thought, well, we'll score one more goal than everybody else and we'll win. The problem is they won nothing. They were great to watch. We were talking the other week, weren't we, Call about the, the Liverpool and... Newcastle games, the four threes, they were amazing games. If you want to win, if you want to progress as a Christian, you need to know how to defend as well as how to advance. And there's some scriptures, I'm just going to give you them, they're not in your notes, so you might want to write them down. So defend, Psalm 16 verse 1. God is our refuge, so when we go through tough times, we don't blame him, but we find security in him. Psalm 61 verse 3, God is our strong tower. He's our place of security. Psalm 32, 7, God is our hiding place. So we don't need to hide somewhere else. 
Philippians 3.16, we are to live up to what we've already attained. If you can remember a time when you were more in love with Jesus than you are now, it's time to repent and get back to that. Live up to where you were and then press on. Ephesians 4.3, maintain the unity of the spirit. Maintenance is important. If you've got a car, it's important to maintain it. My car has to have a service tomorrow. It needs maintenance. (coughs) We are to be fierce in our maintaining of unity. Ephesians 6, hold the ground that you've already taken and then advance. Philippians 3, 1 to 14, press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of you. Romans 15, 20, be ambitious to take the gospel into new ground. Hebrews 12, 1, run the race of following Jesus with perseverance. Colossians 50, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 8, 20, 58, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Half-hearted commitment isn't commitment. Wholehearted. Psalm 23, God is our shepherd. He leads us through valleys and green pastures. Isaiah 53, 35-8. We travel on the highway of God's holiness. So the belt of truth. The belt holds everything else in place. Jesus' truth holds things in place for us. The belt of truth reminds us that it's vital to know the scriptures. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the Bible tells us who God is. The Bible tells us what God does. Some people say my God wouldn't do that. Well, I don't know who your God is. If what your God would or wouldn't do doesn't line up with what the God of the Bible says he will and won't do. The Bible tells us who we are. It gives us our identity. The Bible tells us how we now get to live. That's where we get that information. If we simply rely on how I feel today, what's the current trend in culture? What do social media influences tell me? You will never live the Christian life that God has for you. But if you place it on the word of God, the truth of God, then there's a freedom that's gloriously possible. The truth sets us free. The Apostle Paul says uh, he would have spent considerable time chained to a Roman soldier guard and so, uh, as part of his suffering as a follower of Jesus. And he uses this picture. He notices that the belt in battle enabled movements because the belt held everything else in place. Have you heard the phrase, you know, gird up your loins? It meant that they would tuck any loose things into the belt so that they could move. The belt was where the sword could be attached. The belt held a a strap holding the breastplate in place. The belt, the truth, holds everything else in place so that you can move into what God has for you. Knowing the truth of the Bible does this for us. Reading our Bible doesn't earn us extra brownie points with God. He loves you. But if you don't read it and you don't know the truth, you can't walk in the freedom he has for you. I used the illustration a few weeks ago. The Bible says that we are justified by God. In other words, we are put right with God on the basis of the work of Jesus alone. And we put our faith in that. Even the faith is a gift from God. And we are right with God. And the devil comes along and tries to condemn us on the basis of our sanctification, which is our growth in grace, 
are changed into the image of Christ. So the devil comes along and says, well, you're not as advanced as you should be, are you? And you say, well, no, I'm not. Well, God can't love you. You must be condemned. Yeah, you're right. I don't, I'm not doing what I should be. I'm not as advanced as I should be. The basis of your acceptance is not how sanctification is going. It's whether you have been justified by Jesus. Our actions are the fruit of who we've become. And if we're in Christ, then we can say, yeah, you know what? I may need to grow in my relationship with Jesus, but thank you, Jesus, for your shed blood, your death and your resurrection, because in you I am saved, and in Christ there is no condemnation. Now, if that means that I'm then saying it doesn't matter how I live and I won't address sin, I would question whether this has ever happened to you. You see, you can know about God and not know him. But if this has really happened to you, you will want to be being changed. If you don't want to be being changed over a very, very long period of time, the question has got to be asked, has this ever happened? The truth sets us free. The belt of truth. James in James 1 says that the truth is like looking into a mirror. But if we forget then it's of no benefit to us. Just quickly before I close, would you humor me? Would you shout out to me some of the things of who you are that the Bible says? Okay, not some, you know, Hallmark card thing you've seen on Facebook, but, but what the Bible says. What the Bible says, who you are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? You're loved, forgiven, forgiven. new creation, child of God, more than a conqueror, conqueror. sanctified, saved, victorious, redeemed and made in his image. Go on, give us a few more. A friend of God, isn't that good? Alive in Christ. Can we... Squeeze out another three. Go on. Free. Adopted into family. Last one. A child of God. So when you look into the mirror of the word of God, that's the reflection. When you walk away, please don't forget that. But that's... Have a quick look round. Quick look. Smile, give people a wave. That's what God says about those people too. That's what he says about everybody. And one of the biggest causes of defeat and lack of spiritual power is when we forget who God is, we forget who we are, and we dissipate spiritual power By spending our energy saying what's wrong with the people of God, what's wrong with the church, what's not good enough. Because the mirror of God's word says that about each of you. Now we're all a work in progress, goodness me. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So put on... The belt of truth, 
Let our mind be renewed, lies be defeated, and freedom come. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.